Morning, everybody. Morning. All right. Is it hot enough outside for you guys? I brought my gallon of water with me because it is hot outside. How many of you guys have been vacationing this summer? Anybody going on any special trips? Where'd you guys go? Back there. Everywhere. Okay. Anybody else? No one's gone anywhere? Mexico. Mexico. Ooh, Mexico. Very nice. Anybody else? Traverse City. Traverse City. Okay. Michigan. Michigan. Excellent. North Carolina, awesome. So you guys have been on a really, really uh, amazing trips and really been enjoying the summer. We've been enjoying the summer as well, and I've been enjoying actually being up here with you guys, and Mike and I have also then uh, been able to share over the last several weeks about wisdom. And last week, I talked to you guys about trusting God's wisdom and trusting God more than yourself. Not so easy to do, right? So I share with you guys four C's. Let's see, pop quiz. I'm going to quiz you guys. You guys didn't know you were going to be in school. You thought it was a summer break, right? All right, so without seeing them up on there just yet, who remembers one of the four C's from last week? Consistent. Consistent. Excellent. Yep, I heard it up here as well. What else? Capable. Absolutely. What else is God? I hear you guys over here. You guys remember? So we got consistent, capable. Remember, he's aware, so that means he's conscious. Yeah? And then what else is he? You guys remember? Wow, you guys were asleep last week when I was, uh, when I was giving this out. He's also concerned about you. You guys remember that? So he's obviously a conscious God. That means he's aware about everything around you. He cares about everything that happens to you. He literally remembers how many hairs you have on your head, just like he knows how many stars are in the sky. He's also concerned. He's a concerned God. He says in 1 Peter how he wants you to cast all your cares, all your worries, all your fears, everything that goes through your life, he wants you to put all that on him. And then I heard it earlier that he's consistent. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Absolutely. And lastly, he's also capable. When you think about it, Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly far greater than anything we could ever think of. So when you think about it, our God is capable of doing anything. All you need to do is ask him. Now, if you've been relying on yourself for wisdom and you've been relying on others for wisdom, guess what? They're going to fail you. You can't rely on yourself for this wisdom. You can't rely on other people for wisdom necessarily. You need to rely totally and trust totally on God. So we talked obviously about trusting God. And my favorite verse that I shared with you guys last week was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. You can't do it necessarily on your own. So you need to trust God with all your heart. And, and it also says, lean not on your own understanding or depend not on your own understanding and seek his will in all you do. Not in some of the things, not in the little things, but in everything and all the big things. And he'll show you which path to take. Now, living wisely, that's a challenge. That's not easy. We live in a society that's giving you all different kinds of things. They're spewing all different kinds of nonsense, everything on social media and in movies and in TV shows and even in politics and all these other areas, and they're just spewing all this other stuff, all this rhetoric, rather than us relying specifically on God's Word. Now, obviously, we all want to make a difference, right? We're, we only live shortly in this, in this life when you think about it. We only have a short period of time that God gives us, so we want to make an impact on people's lives. We want to be able to have people look to us and say, wow, that person was just an amazing person who loved Jesus and gave me some really great wisdom and some really great advice. But one minute you can be here, and the next minute, 
boom, you're gone. So when you think about it, God said in Mark, chap- in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You can have the best career. You could be making a six, seven-figure income. That would be nice, right? You could have 100,000-plus followers on all your social media websites. You could literally have gained everything you wanted in this world. But think about it. If you never followed Jesus and you never made him that priority, what does any of that matter? You think about it. When, when we one day face Jesus one day, because we're all going to die, and at some point we're all going to have to face Jesus, and you have had all this stuff in your life, and all of a sudden he looks at you and says, guess what? It wasn't worth anything because you never chose me. I would hate to hear that. So that's the first and foremost reason why we need to put our trust first and foremost on God. Now, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs isn't the only book that offers us wisdom. God's entire Bible offers us so many rich truths in here, and there's so many other um, books and chapters that provide us so much wisdom. So today I'm actually not going to be in Proverbs. I'm going to be specifically in the book of James, because the book of James offers us so many wonderful, rich little nuggets of truth in there, and it's only five chapters. And if you've never read the book of James, I really, really urge you to take a look and read it, because right in that first chapter, in verse 5, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Now, that that's, seems like a, a pretty simple thing, right? So I want you to imagine this. So in the book of James, it was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, okay? So we're going to call him Pastor James for now. And if he was up in front of us, he's going to survey the entire room, and he's going to look around and take a look at the crowd, and then he's going to ask a question. And he specifically says, will the wisest person in the room stand up? Now, you'll probably look, and I just heard a little bit of that. When, when I said that, I heard a little bit of murmuring. People are like, mm, what? what? Why would he say, well, the wisest person in the room? Wouldn't it be better if he just said, can we just pick a couple wise people, and then we'll say that these are some of the wise people here at our church? Well, let's read in chapter 3, verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So, let me ask you. Do you consider yourself a wise person? When somebody looks at you, are they, are they looking at you and being like, wow, that person's really wise. They always have just the right thing to say, and they use God's word to be able to back it up. Can somebody say that about you? Now, a wise person, a wise person's never going to say, <laughs> I'm wise. No one's going to ever do that, right? Because then that's considered pride. So no one's ever going to do that. A wise person never goes around saying, oh, I'm a wise person. Come to me and, and seek all my wisdom. No one's ever going to do that if they're wise. They're very humble. Wise people live right and try to do everything that they can to focus on God's word and then lead by example that way. So here's the big idea for today. And I cannot take credit for this big idea. This was actually something that while I was doing my research for this message, I actually found um, Dr. Ray Pritchard, um, he actually is the director of Keep Believing Ministries out in Tennessee, and um, he writes, a seeking heart makes smart choices that produce a God-blessed life marked by a gentle spirit. So I'll read that again. A seeking heart makes smart choices that produce a God-blessed life marked by a gentle spirit. So Each and every one of us, God has created us with a seeker's heart, 
He wants for us to seek him. Now, there are those that don't believe in God, and they're always searching for something. Why do you think that they're always going after whatever the world is offering them? Because it's just easy and fast. But a relationship with Jesus is just as easy. It's a free gift. And when you think about it, wisdom is, it can't be hidden. Like, when you look at somebody who's wise, you look at them and you're like, wow, that person's really wise. Like, I just, I just want to, like, just sit at their feet and just learn everything that I can from them. But the opposite can also be said of a fool. When you think about it, a fool, sometimes they may not say something, but eventually you'll look at them and they're going to open their mouth and that fool is going to say something foolish when you think about it. And we don't ever want to be considered foolish. We want to be considered wise. So I ask you, are you a wise person? Do you consider yourself a wise person? Now, before you answer, let's take a look I have four keys for you today, just like I presented four C's last week. We're going to talk about four keys to wise living, and we're going to take a look at that big idea of a seeking heart makes smart choices that produce a God-blessed life marked by a gentle spirit. So the first one, key one, a seeking heart, and that comes from the part in the verse that says, who is wise and understanding among you, okay? So where do you think wisdom begins? Where do you think wisdom comes from? What does that look like? So Let's, let's get some audience participation. When you think of a wise person, what kind of characteristic do you get from that person? Just name something. Yes, ma'am. Knowledgeable. Knowledgeable. Absolutely. What else? Calm. What is it? Calm. Calm. Okay. What else? Humility. Humility. Absolutely. Confidence. confidence. Yes, absolutely. And it's not that kind of confidence that's just pride, prideful confidence. It's, it's confidence that just exudes out of them because when they walk into a room, they command the presence, but it's not their presence. It's God's presence. So thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. And knowledge. A couple of weeks ago, did you have one back there? Fear of God. Fear of God. Absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, I presented to you guys the Hebrew word for wisdom. It's chokhmah. Can you guys say that with me? Chokhmah. There you go. You got you to really get it out from under here to, to be able to say that word. But when you think about it, that Hebrew word is not just knowledge. It's also being able to discern between the difference right and wrong and also knowing what's true, what's, what are actual facts. And so when you think about it, you've probably known so many people who are really, really smart. They can literally recite the encyclopedia to you. That's how smart they are. But have you known them to also make some really bad choices? Yeah. And I've known some people like that. Um, I teach for William Patterson University in their nursing department, and every semester I always get a couple of students that when I send them an email or whenever they see you know, something printed that might have my email signature, and all of you guys know that when you put an email signature together, sometimes people will put their credentials in there. And so in the healthcare field, everyone always puts every little bit of whatever letters they have at the end of their name. And so right away, those students look at me, they're like, oh, professor, you are just so smart. You are so wise. I can't believe you have all this stuff at the end of my name. And I look at them and I say, none of those letters make me smart. Those are just things I've achieved, but that doesn't necessarily make me smart. That doesn't make me a wise person. You know, in Jeremiah 29, 13, uh, God says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If you're searching for wisdom, if you're needing wisdom, you may not necessarily need to always go out to somebody to go find wisdom. You could literally search for it right there in God's word. You know, God isn't hiding. God literally has put his creation out there for you. When you walk outside, you see the trees, you feel the breeze on your face, you feel that sun beating down. 
God is literally right there in creation showing himself to you. It's, it's almost like we're the man who winds up going to one of the waters of the world. And let's say we talk about the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? A couple people. So when you think about it, those of you who've been out there, there's just something breathtaking. It literally, you can't even explain it to people. So it's almost like we go and take a trip to the Grand Canyon, and all we do is spend time on our social media and never get out of the car. And then you come back and you brag to your friends and say, oh, I went to the Grand Canyon. And then your friends are like, oh, yeah, show me the pictures. And they're like, um, I, don't, I don't have any pictures. So what was the point of the trip? If you never went out there to see the beauty that God has created, if you've never gone out there to search and go out there and look for it, then what was the point? And the first step in acquiring wisdom, you've got to be able to, you want to have to desire it more than anything else in all the world because wisdom is free. God literally gives it in his word. He gives it to you when you're surrounding yourself with people who are wise and who, who are pointing you to him. But while wisdom is free, it's going to cost you. And you're probably wondering, well, how is it going to cost me? When you choose God's wisdom, that means you're going to be going against the world. And when you go against the world, the enemy is going to do everything in his power possible to make sure that he tries to disrupt that. When you're trying to have a walk that's closer with God, when you're trying to do his will, when you're trying to witness to others, enemy doesn't want that. So it's going to come at a cost. Some of you might have family members that aren't saved. Some of you have family members that don't know Jesus. Or you might have friends that have never walked with Christ. And seeking his wisdom is going to cost you. It could even cost you your relationship with your family. If you want to learn to pray, you want to learn to read your Bible, you want to learn to grow spiritually, you want to become that man or woman of God that he created you to be, you want to break the destructive, destructive patterns of behavior in your life, and seek God's wisdom. And if you want wisdom, it's absolutely free. But it's going to cost everything that you have. Key number two, making smart choices. So that comes from the part of that verse in James 3, who is understanding among you? So the word understanding in the New Testament, it talks about the idea of being a specialist. So I work in the medical field. And in the medical field, let's say somebody has cancer they go see a specialist for cancer, an oncologist. Those of you who have children, if your children get sick, you take them to the what? The pediatrician. If you have some kind of scar or injury to your face, you want a plastic surgeon. If your car starts messing up, who do you take it to? The mechanic, absolutely. If you have any plumbing issues in your house, you call a, a plumber. You call these specialists, these people who specifically work on these areas. And so we see this kind of specialization in all areas of life. But when you talk about the Christian life, I only see two ways of being a specialist in the Christian life. And that comes through people and pain. And you're probably like, what? People and pain? Well, God literally tells us in his word, surround yourself with people who are much wiser than you because they will be able to then just literally disseminate and, and pour out that, that blessing, that wisdom onto you, especially if they're pointing you towards Jesus. You know, God even calls for those of us who have been Christians for a long time to take those new believers, to take those young men and women under our wings and to help mentor them. When it comes, remember when, when you were first starting out and you probably had no idea what the heck you were going to do with your life. You had no idea where you were going to go to school. You had no idea who you were going to date, who were you going to marry, where you wanted to live, the things that you wanted. 
If you ever had a mentor, that person took you under their wing. That's exactly what God calls us to do, is to mentor those new believers, to then bring them under our wing and to show them from God's word how they can really make good choices. But the other way, like I mentioned, is through pain. And you're probably wondering, how in the world am I going to become wiser through pain? Now, obviously, no one likes this part, you know, but none of us is also exempt from it. And in the book of James, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, already showing you we're going to go through pain. We're going to go through trials. There might be those of you in here right now that are struggling through something. You might have some family issues, some, some child issues, some work issue. You might be struggling just even personally in your own spiritual walk, and you're, you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this struggle? Well, he says, count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That steadfastness is firmness. That's grounded. That means that your faith is so strong in Jesus that even though the winds are howling and everything is happening, I'm going to stay true to Jesus. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Remember, I told you, God is capable of doing anything you can ever ask in your life, and He is. And one of the perfect examples of that through all the trials and tribulations, we read through the book of Job, and you guys have, have heard of Job in the Bible, where he was a righteous man. He literally did nothing. He was the most righteous man in, in the land, and God still allowed for those trials and those temptations and everything else in his life to take place. And in chapter 23, he reminded us, Job reminds us, that when we've passed through the furnace of affliction, we will come forth like gold. Do you guys know how they wind up making the purest of purest gold or any other precious metal? They take that metal and they literally melt it down. And after they melt it down, they go through this process called smelting. And they boil that precious metal until all the impurities come to the top. And then that person then skims off those impurities and then they do it again. And then they skim it off. And they do it again. And they do it again. And they do it again until literally there is no more impurities coming out. Do you know that's what God does with us? You know that's what God is probably doing in your life right now? He's putting you, or not necessarily putting you, but he's allowing for you to go through that fire. He's allowing for you to go through that trial and those, and those different issues. Because guess what he's going to do? Through his son's blood, that literally gets wiped all away, and you come out as the purest of gold. Now, obviously, it's not easy to try to cooperate with those things that wind up happening in our lives, but I'm telling you, there's enormous spiritual growth that comes through that, which leads me then to key number three, a God-blessed life. And we find that in the section of the verse in, in James 3 that says, by his good conduct, let him show his works. So think about this, this the principle of this part right here, live in such a way that even the unbeliever is impressed with your behavior. I'll say that again. Live in such a way that even unbelievers are impressed with your behavior. I can recall a situation where I was uh, working at um, Hackensack, and one of the, um, I, I, I could remember working there, and, and, and there were so many different, like, 
petty little arguments that people would have, and there were dirty jokes that people would say, and they would talk about their drinking escapades over the weekend, and who they were with, and all this other stuff. And I never participated in any of that. And I could, I could remember that for weeks and weeks I would hear this stuff, and finally, one of the night shifters who had come in to start their shift, they were talking with some of the day shift people, and she looks at me and she says, Derek, why don't you ever participate with us? Like, why don't you ever tell us what it is that you did over the weekend, like the way we do? And, and what's different about you? You just always seem like, even though we're sitting here arguing and in our negativity and everything else, you just always seem happy and you always seem joyful. I said, well, do you really want to know? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And I actually happened to have my Bible that day in my backpack. I said, well, right before I leave, come to the break room with some of the other people and I'll show you. And so when I went back to the break room, I took my Bible out and right away I could see everybody's faces. They were like, oh no. <laughs> Here's this Bible thumper that he's going to come over here and start preaching at us. And I said, well, you guys asked me why is it that I don't seem to participate in all those things and why do I seem like I always you know, feel happy or joyful, I said one simple word, Jesus. And there was silence in the room. And, and, and one, of the, one of the guys pipes up, he's like, what does that mean? What, what, what does Jesus mean in, in this moment? I said, well, let me show you. And I was literally able to open up God's word and share the gospel with them during that time. And this was actually during the pandemic. And this is when all the craziness and everything you can ever imagine that for those of us who were in healthcare were experiencing, I was able to share God's word with like four different people who would share all their ridiculous behavior with me every single day. And I was able to then share that. And they were able to see the truth of the gospel through my example. Now, whether you know it or not, guess what? The world is looking at everything that you do. For those of us that are believers, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, the world is looking at how you dress. The world is looking at how you spend your money. The world is looking at how you speak to your coworkers. The world is looking at how you treat your spouse, how you raise your kids. They, they look at how you deal with difficult people. So those of you who work in, in, in customer service-related type uh, Professions, they look at how you deal with people. They look at how you respond to the challenges of life. When tragedy is striking, when chaos is ensuing, they're looking at how you respond. So for those of you who are believers, understand that it matters. You are a model of Jesus Christ. You are to be a model of wisdom. And when you're dressing however you want to dress, and when you're speaking however you want to speak, and when you're throwing all the nonsense on your social media and doing all these other things, and then coming in here in this Hallelujah, praise Jesus. When you think about that, are you being a model of wisdom or are you being a hypocrite? Every day, you're either drawing people to Jesus with who you are or you're pushing them further away. I'll say that again. Every day, you're either drawing people to Jesus with who you are or you're pushing them further away with how you choose to act. We're to be models of wisdom. That leads me to key number four, a gentle spirit. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So the end of that verse says, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. We're to live our lives with meekness. That other, the other word for meekness is called gentleness. And when you think about it, everyone in, in society now is just so aggressive with every little thing, you, you hardly can even see gentleness anymore. The Greek word here is used in the same um, context 
as what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 when he was preaching the Beatitudes to the group. And he said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now to the ancient Greeks, meekness meant power under control. So has anybody ever seen a, um, a wild animal tamed like a wild horse, like a stallion that you've seen? Anybody ever seen that before? When you think about that, you literally have this beast that literally has enormous power. That horse can literally overtake their trainer. But you see the gentleness of that trainer and showing that horse, I've got you. I've got you. And over time, that horse realizes that somebody who's actually weaker than they are is showing them gentleness and that strength through their gentleness that over time, all of a sudden, the horse relaxes. When you think about that, that horse is still just as powerful. That horse can still overtake that trainer. But all of a sudden, that horse becomes gentle and that, that power is now under control. The Greeks actually used that, the same thing as soothing medicine. Anybody ever here get a sunburn? Did you get any sunburns this summer while you were traveling? Yes. And what do you guys use? Sometimes you'll use calamine lotion or aloe or something like that. And all of a sudden, after you put that on that burn, what happens? <sighs> you think about that. That little bottle of whatever it was had the power to calm down that pain that you were feeling. That's power under control. So when you think about it, used in this context, meekness is my power under God's control. When you want to show people that gentleness, that meekness, you need to let God be under control of your life. That's how you're going to uh, demonstrate wisdom to others. It's not hard to be gentle when your life is good and you don't feel any pressure, right? But that's not meekness, that's niceness. When you think about when you're actually going through the fire and how you react in that moment, and when you choose to act with that gentleness, that's meekness. That's not niceness. You know, meekness doesn't call attention to itself. Meekness asks God, what do you want me to do in this situation? When you're faced with those trials, you need to ask God, how do I, how do I handle this? A lot of times we're always asking for clarity, and we're, we're always wanting for, for God to give us a clear answer. But sometimes God doesn't necessarily need to give you a clear answer. Last week I talked about how sometimes God answers your prayers with a yes. He sometimes answers it with a no. And then he sometimes says, wait. I don't need to give you the answer just yet. You're not ready for it. And so when you think about it, ask God, what do you want me to do with this situation? Lord, help me to trust you. Not just seek clarity. Help me to trust you. Because when I trust you, then I'm able to then use wise choices to take those amazing leaps in my life to serve you more. You know, we'll never walk in wisdom without God's help. So I bring back, obviously, the, the big idea from today. A seeking heart makes smart choices that produce a God-blessed life marked by a gentle spirit. Whatever you're searching for, you need to first and foremost look to God. God's going to give you everything that you need, but you need to be surrounding yourself with Him. You need to be surrounding yourself with the people that He has put in place to show you His wisdom. Now, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that those trials and temptations and all that wind and all the craziness and the storms of life aren't going to be there. Because guess what? They're still going to be there. 
but it's how you react in those moments that is what's going to generate the wisdom that you're going to need for life. We're going to get ready to sing um, I Thank God. And I love this song because when you think about it, it, it says, you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the, Savior. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. I thank God that he changed my life. I thank God that when I, at the age of 10, I said yes to Jesus. And even though I didn't understand everything about the Bible at the time, and I'm still learning so very much at the age of 40, I'm so glad that he changed my life. And if you can't ever remember a time that he's changed your life and that you've said yes to him, if you don't know where you're going when you die, and guess what, guys? Today's the day to take care of that. Please see one of us before you leave so that we can show you through God's word how you can learn to have that relationship with him. God wants you to have that seeker heart and, and to exude wisdom to those around you. And wisdom is free, but it does have a price. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much just for the opportunity to be able to share with my Skyline family. Thank you that we have the privilege of being able to serve an amazing God and Father, I just, I just come to you and, and thank you that we can search your word for so many amazing truths. And I pray for that person here that doesn't necessarily know you and has never had that relationship with you and has never said yes to you, that you would begin working in their heart and help them to come to that realization so that you can then save them. Thank you that we get to honor and love you. And we don't deserve it. But through your son, Jesus, you make us worthy. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that I get to just share just this little bit of truth from your word with my Skyline family here. And we're so grateful for all the amazing blessings. Thank you for doing what you did in my life years ago. And that till this day, I continue to serve you and have the pleasure of doing it. Thank you for your love, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.